Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. of a continuation of our episode from a couple of weeks ago where we just sort of did an overview of slow living and it felt like we talked a lot about the mindfulness aspect of it and the feeling aspect of it but I thought we could go a little further into some things and talk about some of the consumer issues maybe more like the sustainability side of it right and how that ties into slow living as always, in prep for our Slow Living Challenge, which starts next week. If you're listening to this when it comes out, which we're very excited about. Yes. So one of the things that sparked this idea for me was I saw an article about the phenomenon of this Stanley Quencher Cup, I think it's called. I just wanted to ask you what you think about that and the craze that it's caused. And I've been seeing the videos of people fighting over them and so forth. So anyway, for anyone that might not know exactly what we're talking about, Emma, you want to explain yes. what it is? And yeah, I also want to say this is one of the reasons why I just love doing this with you, mom, because I just feel like we should talk about it. But the fact that we're bringing it up now, the year of our Lord, 2024, February, like is it's a little late. <laughs> but why? Tell me this why. This has been in the discourse for, I don't know, a long time, but it's more recent that it's been in the like, what's going on here discourse. And it's just the difference between, I think you and I and the way that we consume media. Like this, it was like, mom, this was big on TikTok two months ago. Okay. So, but happy to bring it here. And, ha- and I understand that not everyone is on the same TikTok algorithm that I am. So, but yes, I'll, I do want to say that some of my favorite creators that I follow about consumerism and culture and pop culture, this has been a big topic of conversation. So I do have a lot of thoughts. I don't know. I, I don't know if I feel like I have much to add from my own that I haven't seen other people talking about already. But for anyone who is new to the conversation or just wants to hear another perspective on it, we're here for it today. And I do think it's relevant and important to, to chat about, especially because I'm a tutor. I tutor children. And one of my students yesterday had a had a Stanley Cup that she got for Christmas with her name. Was it actually engraved like in the middle? And I also saw an article, I think it was out from The Cut, maybe that magazine just a couple days ago. I shared an excerpt of it with our good friend who has a seventh grader. And in the article, they were were talking about seventh graders and how trendy and cool they are. There was this quote from a seventh grader, like, what is that, 13? And they said, 
everybody wears Lululemons and has their Stanley Cups in sixth grade. But by seventh grade, you're like, done with that. <laughs> it's already just one of these strange phenomenons that is such a thing, but also people are so over it, which is so funny. And yet we still keep talking about it. And I think that's what's fascinating about the Stanley itself is the sustained craze because it's been a few years now. Like usually these trends products get really popular and they spike and everyone has to have it. I'm going to try to find this article that I'm thinking of that explained this to me, but then they go down. But with the Stanley Cup, it's kind of like it hasn't it hasn't gone down. It's like just as popular as ever, even though, like I said, we're talking about how over it we all are. So you said like I had missed the earlier discourse or I wasn't in on the earlier discourse, which I guess is. I, I just mean the discourse true. about like, let's talk about how problematic this is. That's been the discourse for I've noticed in the past handful of months, especially around Christmas, because there was a big craze around Christmas and how everyone wanted a Stanley Cup for Christmas. And when I say discourse, full transparency, I mean like TikTok videos of like long form content creators that have, I feel like, intellectual arguments to be made about certain things in pop culture. That's just what I'm following. So that's what I see. But the way that the internet is now, nobody sees any of the same stuff. So it's okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, I've known what the Stanley Cup is, but we got an email from the story of stuff, you know, I'm on their mailing list. It was posing the question, what is this? This product that's supposed to be all about sustainability has become this huge symbol of consumption. What's the point of having a reusable water bottle if you have 45 of them in every color? Yes. Or Which I think is, I'm not sure how many people have that many. Well, people have been hoarding them to sell, to resell. So it's that. Other side of it that I've seen is it's one of these, and we can point to many of these over the years. I'd be curious if you can think of any in your childhood, but I was trying to think back to my seventh grade, my eighth grade, like what was it that they're like status? It's like status symbol materialism where, you know, everybody in the grade has thing or a certain sweater or the things that are popping in my head right now are the North Face jackets. Remember those? It was big in like seventh, eighth grade. So what would this be like 2002, 2003? And I got one for Christmas one year. I got a pink one. I, just, I, like, I remember that. And then this isn't a big thing, but the Livestrong bracelets, it was literally more about I don't even know if I liked it. You know, I don't even know who liked that jacket, but I thought that I did and I felt like I had to have it. And I think that's the bigger conversation with the Stanley Cup is like, sure, it's great because it fits in your car cup holder, but there are other water bottles that fit in your car cup holder <laughs> that are insulated. It's not the only one, but it's more that it represents this status thing, which is interesting. And the fact that it's so expensive for a reusable water bottle and yet it's at an accessible price point for what is it? What is it? It's like perceived luxury. It's like if you have a Stanley water bottle, you can afford to buy a 60, 80, whatever it is, dollar water bottle. Also, one of those things where if you can't really afford that, whatever that means in your context of affordability, $60 is a small price to pay for perceived luxury. So that's another part of the conversation, too. So, wow. So, I, I have to say, I was pretty impressed by the video of the people lining up outside of yes. Target at 4 a.m. to bust in to get the Valentine Day one. That was a collab with Starbucks. But you can only get it in Target Starbucks is the whole point. Again, manufactured scarcity because it literally maybe it is is scarce, but that then produces this. They made a limited edition yeah. number of them. And so people were literally... They were fighting about their position in line outside of Target before it opened. And then when they got in, there was big mobs 
scuffle scene at the stand and people were just literally scraping armloads off. And at some point, did they say, actually, you can only get two at a time? I don't know, but there were people running down the aisles of Target to get out the door. And it was comical, really. How do you think that relates to slow living? I mean, I obviously just just totally obviously antithetical to everything that we talk about here. But I do think it is interesting to think about why, why we've gotten here and what that means and how we can kind of, you know, identify it and see it for what it is to the point, again, these are all thoughts that I've had, but also thoughts that I've picked up from other writers and thinkers about the perceived luxury side of it, about just the mentality around the consumerism of is a useful thing. It's an insulated water bottle. It's very well made. It's very high quality. And Stanley is a company that if you don't know, if you hadn't heard of them before, they've been around like a hundred years. They're an old, it's a camping gear. Yeah, it's over a hundred years. And, and yeah, it's a great company and they've made a great product. And do you know the story of the quencher itself also is interesting? See, I've done a lot of reading about this. No. I, it was 2017 or 2018. They were looking to discontinue it. And this it was a mommy blogger or a couple of them. They have an Instagram account and a blog where they recommend, they you know, shopping recommendations. And they thought, we really love these cups. These are great cups. They fit in our cup holder in our car. And so they actually bought up the rest of the inventory from Stanley and they posted about it and they immediately like like Stanley was about to discontinue it because they weren't selling well but these bloggers wrote about it and they sold out almost immediately and then Stanley decided to make more and they struck a deal and they have this affiliate relationship now and so these women influential mommy bloggers (laughs) saved the Stanley and created a cultural event. Well, I have a question. Are the fans of the Stanley Cup, who's just about everybody, it seems like, are they attracted to the sustainability of it? The the fact that, oh, I can take my drink anywhere and not have to get a plastic water bottle or a plastic Kool-Aid or Gatorade or, or whatever. Is it that or is it just that it's it's fashion and you can get the color to match your outfit? I would say that there are probably some of those. Like there are probably some people that are like, yeah, I like a good reusable water bottle. This one looks great. I'm going to get that. But I would wager to bet that mostly it's because it's a status symbol. So here's where the thing, and we we talk about this frequently on here, when you're talking about buying things for sustainability, and because they're supposedly sustainable, you get into sort of murky waters. And I think this is like an example of that run amok, because the product itself is meant to be something that cuts down on waste and something that cuts down on plastic. And that's a good thing. And this is nothing against the company. It's a good company. It's a good product. There are so many of these things all over the planet now. And I guess you could recycle them. But the fact is that many, many, many of them are going to end up being thrown away. Yeah. I mean, I wish more people would think that about everything because that's true. But yes, you are correct. But I think that the more helpful way to think about it and the more helpful conversation and discourse around this is how did this happen? How did we get here? And how can it help inform us, look out for the signs for when this is going to happen again? Because it's going to happen again. It happens all the time, right? It, again, North Face jackets in 2000 to Livestrong bracelets. I mean, we can name countless of these over the years. And gosh, I've seen articles with like bell graphs about like things gaining popularity. And then I think we're kind of in this phase of it. It almost is like a joke. Like I said, the seventh grader are like, oh, we're so over that. But, you know, they'll be on to the next thing. So 
Yeah, it's crazy. The whole thing is mind-blowing about sort of just the craze. But I think a helpful way to go about it is what happened and how can we look at the signs for the next time? Or how can we make decisions about things we want to purchase? And obviously, I don't think all of our listeners out there are scrambling for the Stanley Cup. It's not, it's not that. It's just that to learn, learn how to be mindful of marketing and the way these things are framed. And really, I think to zero in on your own life and your own lifestyle, your own consumer needs, and figuring out what you want and need to buy for your own purposes and according to your own values. And sometimes it's so hard. To, you Sometimes you really think, you really think that like with this purchase, I will get these things. I will live the life of someone who has this purchase. And the really, really hard part is for a little short amount of time, I would say in my experience, usually for a short amount of time, I actually do feel that way. It's like, oh yeah, now I have, just an example, now I have the Stanley Cup. So I feel great about stuff. Inevitably, obviously that feeling goes away for a while, but it's so hard for our brains to rewire that pathway to say, wait a second, that's actually not going to solve all my problems. And then this kind of loops back to the whole conversation, the good dirt, all about consumerism and our role in it. You know, we're adults. We know that this Stanley Cup is not going to change our lives. We might think, this has no plastic and it, it'll last forever and I can always have my water with me and my or my hot drink or whatever I want. There's also the video of the girls whose car burned up and still had ice in it. Yeah. And then Stanley bought her car. For anyone who hasn't seen that, Stanley bought her car, which is brilliant marketing. Well, yeah, just think of what, you know, what the car cost them compared to what they made. <laughs> so to me, it, it, it really it makes me think back. I've been on the planet long enough to remember before everybody carried their water around all the time. Yeah, I, that's so funny. <laughs> I think about that a lot too. And at some point, and I, you know, I would like to look into this. I'm sure there's articles on it, but can't even begin to guess when it, chronologically this happened. But at some point, we were convinced that we were all terribly dehydrated and we need to carry water around with us all the time. And if you don't drink enough water, terrible things are going to happen to you. And you don't even know. I remember this thing. If you're thirsty, then it's already too late. I remember that line. Remember that yeah. line? You have to keep drinking before you're thirsty. Okay. Maybe it was the same time. Maybe this is what we're talking about. All of a sudden, water is being sold in plastic bottles. And everybody thinks they need to be carrying water around all the time. And I remember thinking at some point, gosh, people are like taking to these things like security blankets or their little security object or something. They always have the water and they're always sucking down water. And we're, we're told we need to do that. But in the meantime, the planet's being taken over by plastic water bottles. And then someone comes up with the idea of the reusable water bottle, which is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Most of those are plastic. Remember the Nalgene's and all that? Then they discover the harmful chemicals in them. So people freak out and they start buying something else. So, and by the way, all the ones, all the Nalgene's or whatever it is with the chemicals in them that we don't want to be consuming are lying around somewhere on the planet. Every one of them. I just love that point that you're making because it is tied into, and this is again, another area where I paid attention to a lot of readers and writers on this topic, women's role in driving the economy and culture and the water thing is like so wellness 
culture and here's how you make your life better. I mean, here's the celebrities' secrets to better skin and weight loss. And it's like, drink water. That is irrefutable. And I'm not here to refute it at all. Obviously, water is great for you. Right. But yeah. we've been trained that gulping down water all day will solve all our problems. And you know what? It really does solve a lot of problems because a lot of us probably are dehydrated. It feels great when you're hydrated and, you know, your skin is great and you sleep better. I am prone to headaches and usually it's because I'm dehydrated. So it's just interesting that I think that's part of the draw to in general, the trendy, the trendy reusable water bottle thing is like, I am healthy. I am beautiful. I'm doing this for my health and my beauty. And I'm supposed to do that because I'm a good little woman who is doing her role in buying the accessories she needs to be healthy and beautiful. A couple of things. Somewhere along the line, like I was saying, this idea of carrying your water around all the time came into being. Before that, somehow we stayed hydrated. You know, there were water fountains. Somehow for the past <laughs> millenniums that we've been on the planet, humans have been hydrated. Yeah, I'm just sort of fascinated by this idea that suddenly we were all walking around terribly dehydrated and, and we needed to do this thing about it. And so this whole industry, this giant industry of plastic, you know, of bottled water and the reusable containers just explodes. And I'll say this too, often we'll have a group of people over, usually a group of younger people like your age, maybe maybe you're having a gathering at the farm or when everybody leaves. There's a water bottle or two. <laughs> exactly. People leave them behind. You don't buy just one water bottle to have for the rest of your life. So just it's more production of more stuff on the planet, on our pocketbooks, in our houses, in our cupboards, in our cars. I am one of them. I'm guilty of it. I have multiple water bottles. I leave them places. I've gotten better about that. I do have a cabinet of reusable water bottles. I do use them. I do own a Stanley Cup, everyone. <laughs> it's not the Stanley Quencher. I don't think it's the one I'm supposed to have. <laughs> I have a slightly different one. I bought it, you know, within the timeline of this trend, but it was a while ago. I just have to like defensively. And it was super on sale, I think, at Whole Foods. And I really liked the color. It was a mustard yellow. They have many colors. Many colors. And for anyone who knows about this, it's the one where the straw pops up. It doesn't have a handle. Anyways, but it does fit in my cart cold holder. And I do like it. And it is also just a water bottle that's in my rotation of other water bottles. So I just felt like I had to come clean there. I have one. Thanks. Full disclosure. I appreciate that. I do not have a Stanley cup or a Stanley quencher. And I do like to keep myself hydrated. And I know everyone's not me, but y'all, I get a pint mason jar. I fill it with water. I put a lid on it and I take it with me when I go in the car and I can always have my sip of water there. It fits in the cup holder, you know, get to my destination like I'm getting out for my walk or whatever. I'll take a couple swigs of water. Nice. I'm not thirsty. I go for my walk. I run in the store or whatever, but I don't feel like I need to lug the thing around with me or I need to lug my water with me like like I'm going out in the wilderness or something. And also I don't, I just want to say like, obviously we both like drinking water. Please don't take away that we are like anti any of these things. I just think it's really interesting to talk about and to get the comment, just bring it out in the open kind of how funny it is. It's just so funny that you said that about like, that it's been 
you know, just very recently in human history that we even felt like we had to have water on our persons at all time. And then if you go back a little bit farther, we were talking about this recently in a lady farmer meeting, actually. Humans couldn't even like drink water <laughs> for hundreds of years because it would kill you. So they drank beer. So like, that's so funny to me. It's just fascinating. And obviously, again, obviously we're not refuting the health benefits of drinking water. It's just funny. Right. So just to clarify what you just said a little bit, there were periods in history where it was hard to find healthy drinking water, clean drinking water that didn't make people sick. And there's a long history of fermentation that makes liquids, water, herb infused water, whatever, safer to drink. So yeah. And there was even the very old tradition of a woman in the village that had the job of fermenting the drink for the village, and she was known as the ale wife. It's it's a fascinating thing, fascinating part of a history. So yeah, I think it's also. And when I was growing up, I know I know I sound like such an oldster, but going to school in the sixties and seventies, there were water fountains in every hallway of the school, and you would stop between your classes and you'd get a drink of water. Sometimes there was a line at the water fountain. Now the water fountains are. A lot of them you can't even drink out of. They're just for your water bottle. Right. I actually appreciate that in the airport. I know. It's great. A lot of times they have that you can drink or do your water bottle. But I've noticed now it's like the drinking one isn't even there anymore. Yeah. And I do take that's one time when I'm going to have my water bottle with me when I'm flying. You know, you have to go through security. It has to be empty. So when you get in there, you want a place to fill it up. So, yay. So thank you. Thank you for that technology. Are there other, like, you know, like I talked about in your time, back in your day, were there, I mean, I assume that there were trends and stuff, but, you know, the whole consumer culture was a little different. Were there things that you felt like you had to have kind of as a status thing? Oh, gosh. I'm sure there were things. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, the Saddle Oxfords. Yeah. But that was a general, like, didn't a lot of different companies make saddle oxards? Or was that one company? It was like one thing, brand name thing. I feel like it was it was one brand of shoe, but I don't think like it was we were focused on the brand. It was certainly the look of the thing, the style. Yeah, I think that's a little bit different from this. Like I think that obviously there's style trends, but like the obsession with the like it has to be this company making this model of this thing. Oh, okay. Some things are coming okay. to mind. When I was in middle school, there was a brand called Hang Ten. Some listeners of my age will remember this. And it had a little, the logo was a, like a little tiny barefoot. Okay. And so you would go shopping and you would get your little Hang Ten shorts or Hang Ten blouse. That was cool. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's like a brand thing. That's like, we had like Abercrombie. Everyone had to have a little moose on everything. But there wasn't like a one product from there, like, you know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't like the hang 10 thing that everyone had. No, no, it was a brand. Yeah, I think that's, uh, my but guess then, is that that's relatively new, but I don't know. Anyway, so yeah. this is just my thesis, my very unresearched, unconfirmed okay. thesis that this is a new phenomenon of like the virality of one product, one specific thing. Do you think it's because of social media? Oh, for sure. I mean, to my earlier point about how the Stanley Quinter got going was like, yeah, I think these very industrious, brilliant mommy bloggers. Like these women are powerful and they changed the culture. Fascinating. Okay. So here we are. We're talking about slow living and sustainability. And so I want to bring it around to like, what can we learn from this? How can we move forward in being discerning about our own consumer 
choices. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's what we were saying earlier. What I think that this is just an interesting example, an interesting case study in not slowing down and not <laughs> taking a second to evaluate, you know, your own needs and wants as an individual and sort of it's what happens when we are extremely influenced by outer influences, probably because we are not slowing down and listening to our own needs and wants. And we are not tuning into things that don't cost money and don't hurt the planet that might actually help make us feel better. Like spending more time outside or making something from scratch or mending our clothes or just these things that, that, you know, all fall into this category of slow living. Or not filling up our cupboards, you know, with things we don't need. And I'm wondering how, like, say you have a school-aged child or middle school girl or whoever is really, really into these things. Sixth graders, apparently, because by seventh grade, they're (laughs) done. I would say it's like sixth graders and like millennial moms. So what do you say to the sixth graders and the millennial moms that think this is a thing to do and a thing to have? I think it would be a different thing that you'd say to a sixth grader than it would be to a millennial mom. And I don't know. I don't know if there's much that you can say to them because you don't want to be in the business of telling people that they're doing something wrong. Absolutely. And I don't even want to say it's wrong. I just want to say it's something to look at. And yeah, I would say what we've been saying, which is instead of thinking that or, or when you think or feel that this product that seems, you know, it's a good product and it definitely has its benefits. But if you if you are feeling like it's going to solve something else besides just being a vessel for water. If that's your real problem, then you probably already have a vessel for water, right? Or you can probably find one that's not $80. That's a different problem to solve. But if it feels like it's a it's a problem with meeting the status quo or fitting in or something that maybe there's a few other things we can try to scratch that itch to feel better about that before we buy the thing. Is it also a hot drink? So it's a thermos. It's an insulated thermos. So yes, you can drink hot things in it, but the quencher itself is like, is a straw and it's, people use it to keep their water cold. It keeps things hot too, but I can't imagine like drinking something hot with a straw. Maybe there's another mouthpiece on it. That's like coffee or maybe I don't know. another Stanley cup that's more for hot drinks. I don't know. Yeah. Or yeah, do what I did. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Which is like, you know, maybe you don't have to have the one that everyone has, but find one that's works better for you. No, I don't know if there's any like grand conclusion to draw here or like thing that we can leave people with other than this like really fun discourse to chat about from our different perspectives and our different ages and all of that. And then just point out how it links back to living and sustainability. And I hope that this has been an enjoyable and hopefully entertaining discussion for anyone, no matter your, your journey along your exposure to the Stanley discourse. But yeah, I think that this has been fun. And I think we had intended to talk about a few other things, but I like that this is just about the Stanley Cup. I think that there's a lot there. Well, in terms of leaving the audience with something, I would like to leave our listening audience with, and this is something I've read on here before, but one of the very opening paragraphs of the Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living, where we talk about what we think slow living is. So here we go. Here's the quote. Our own understanding of slow living has to do, quite simply, with making conscious choices about how we live our lives. It's about paying attention to how we spend our time, money, and resources, and taking a step back from the industrialized systems that have come to provide our daily needs. It's also about observing our own consumer habits 
where and how they intersect with quality of life and perpetuate an unsustainable paradigm. So I think at some point we'll come back on here and kind of unpack that whole paragraph. But I think a lot of things in here apply to the whole Stanley Cup thing. And it's just, I think, useful and interesting and even kind of fun to dissect these issues and share with you guys. So share with our listening audience. Yeah. Something as you were reading that, like popped in my head too. Maybe this is a whole, this is an interview we need to find someone to talk to. So if you have any ideas, shoot them our way. The outdoor industry as a whole, I've worked in it. I went to a school that was very outdoorsy. It was, you know, in the woods. And talk about status around having the right gear and the right brands of things to like enjoy the great outdoors is such an interesting space because a lot of, I mean, most of it is polyester because that's what's rain repellent. And most of it is very expensive because it has to be well-made and good quality and last a long time and withstand the elements. And that's kind of what this is. Like the Stanley, as we mentioned, the Stanley company is, it's like camping gear. So, wow, that's a conversation I'd love to have. It ties in so well with the line. It's about observing our own consumer habits and how they intersect with quality. Yes. Yeah. So you really think like as a river raft guide, I have to have this one hat made by this one company because it fits this way and it makes me look like a cool river guide. (laughs) It's like, And the water sandals. Yeah. Yeah. And how does all that perpetuate the unsustainable paradigm? So this is good stuff. I love talking about it. good stuff. Well, thank (laughs) you for tuning in today. We hope that you enjoyed this bonus episode. It was certainly fun for me. It was a fun one. We'll be back on Friday with an interview. And we hope that you join us for the Slow Living Challenge starting next week. And thank you for being here as always. Yes. And please write in with any comments or suggestions. We really appreciate that from you guys. We do look at all of them and consider them. And yeah, so feel free to let us know what you're thinking. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in, calling in, and spreading the good dirt. We love hearing from you. You can reach our listener voicemail at 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. You can find this number in our show notes and in our Instagram profile. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at WeAreLadyFarmer. That's WeAreLadyFarmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye.